Good morning. This is the June 15th, 2018 recording of the Congregation at Prayer Daily Devotional Podcast. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and uh, all, all liturgy and hymns are taken from Luther's service book, and the scripture readings are taken from the English Standard Version of the Holy Bible. The opening, the first song of the day is going to be 622 of Luther's service book, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, you have prepared. Today I am going to only read these verses, and just verses 1 through 4. Lord Jesus Christ, you have prepared this feast for our salvation it is your body and your blood, and at your invitation, as weary souls with sin oppressed, we come to you for needed rest, for comfort and for pardon. Although you did to heaven ascend, where angel hosts are dwelling, and in your presence they behold your glory all excelling, and though your people shall not see your glory and your majesty, till dawns the judgment morning. Yet, Saviour, you are not confined to any habitation, but you are present even now here with your congregation. Firm as a rock this truth shall stand, unmoved by any daring hand or subtle craft and cunning. We eat this bread and drink this cup, your precious word believing that your true body and your blood our lips are here receiving. This word remains forever true. All things are possible with you, for you are Lord Almighty. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting. Amen. The verse of the week is Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and as it is a psalm today, that will be chanted. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. The second petition of the Lord's Prayer Thy kingdom come. What does this mean? The kingdom of God certainly comes by itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How does, this king, how does God's kingdom come? 
God's kingdom comes when our Heavenly Father gives us His Holy Spirit, so that by His grace we believe His Holy Word and lead godly lives here in time and there in eternity. The Psalm of the Week is Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Always we'll hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. <clears throat> the reading of the day is taken from Mark chapter 8. Uh, beginning at verse 27. It writes, <clears throat> And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. And others say, Elijah. And others, one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Christ. And he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples who rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For the disciple, the gospels, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain this whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here, who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Okay, so straight up, this text today, there is a lot in it. Okay, first off, this is kind this is the conclusion of a string of events that are all flowing from the start of chapter six. So this is kind of the conclusion of a sequence of thought. Um, and so because it's chapter six, you go all the way back, it begins with Jesus being rejected at Nazareth. Then it has the disciples going out, but Jesus tells them, if, you know, those who do not accept you, to dust off your feet and go on. So he's pointing to the fact that they're going to be rejected when he sends out the twelve. And then you have um, the death of John the Baptist, all right? So that's where it all begins, those three events. And so the death of John the Baptist kind of stands out as the key starting point. And the reason is, is because... When uh, at the way the, the telling of John the Baptist's death begins is it begins with Herod talking about the people were theorizing who Jesus is. And some thought it was, and Herod thought it was John, the, he was John the Baptist risen from the dead. And so that leads to verse 27. The very same question is getting asked. Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist. Or or who do yeah, who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. This is almost exactly what was discussed amongst Herod's people in at the begin towards the beginning of chapter six. So this is the marker to let you know this is where it started to come full circle. Alright. But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ. What is very notable in this response in Mark, and so this is a very good thing, is when you have in the Gospels, especially with Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are what is known as the Synoptic Gospels, because they have, they're very similar in many ways. And so you have a lot of events that are similar. And so quite often the question isn't so much, what do they have the same? It's what they don't have that's in common. And there's one very small thing in Peter's response that is different. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But in Mark, he just says, You are the Christ. Why is it shortened? And I would argue that the reason is, is because... Of this theme that's kind of beginning to, it's kind of working itself throughout the Gospel of uh, Mark, and even kind of showed itself a couple verses earlier, um, when Jesus says to him, "Do you do you have eyes and not see? Do you have ears and not hear?" So this is where you know this is just a few verses earlier that Jesus is saying this to them. And so basically, he's pointing to their stubbornness, their blindness, their deafness. They're hearing Jesus see all, say all these things. They're seeing him do all these things. And yet they're not he see, they're not hearing, they're not perceiving, they're not getting it yet. And so Mark appears to be trying to convey that. And that is an overarching theme throughout the Gospel of Mark. Is that they don't quite see. They don't understand. And this makes sense. This even actually fills in 
that at the very end of the Gospel of Mark, if you pull out your at many of your modern translations, you go to Mark chapter 16, you will see right after verse 8, there's going to be a little bracket. It'll say that the earliest of manuscripts do not have verse 9 and following. And, and the thing, so when you read verse 8, the end is that they go away afraid, the women. They've seen these angels. The angels said that he was risen from the dead. And they're told to go tell the disciples. But it says that they went away afraid and told no one. Which is kind of an irony because, you know, a couple, several days, some point last week, we read about Jesus healing this deaf man. And he told the deaf man not to tell anyone. And he went and told everybody. And yet... There, at the very end of Mark, the women are told to go tell what has happened, and they didn't tell anybody. It's kind of irony. And it is, and it, but it also conveys this thing that throughout the Gospel of Mark, there's only one human being in the entire Gospel that recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God. Only one human being. And that is... Um, the the centurion soldier who oversaw the crucifixion, who said, truly, this man was the son of God. And so I believe that with Mark withholding that you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that is him conveying that Peter is saying these words, but he doesn't realize what he's saying. And that gets reinforced within, in, a next, in a few moments. Because here Peter says, you know, Jesus is saying, what's going to happen to him? He's going to be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. All right, so that's all they're hearing. And on th after three days, rise again. Peter says, no, this won't happen. Took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So basically, so Peter, so this is letting you know Peter doesn't get it yet, which makes more sense as to why Mark doesn't give the full answer. Now, all, all, Matthew also has this following up Peter's confession, but I believe that Mark is even more hitting home that Peter doesn't get what he's doing. What Peter has done here is he's getting mad that Jesus is going to suffer. And, and partially, you can kind of understand why Peter is saying this. Remember, this is the conclusion of the sequence of thoughts that began with the death of John the Baptist and the feeding of the 5,000, which is basically John's funeral. So when Peter is hearing from Jesus that Jesus, that just as John the Baptist was killed, so will Jesus be killed. And Peter doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't want to hear that his, his beloved teacher is going to die. And so it's understandable that he says, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. All right? This is, it's understandable that he's acting the way he is. But the problem is, is that when Peter is doing this, the, the way the Greek language works in this text, it actually suggests that Pete, so the word disciple, and it kind of comes up in a few moments here, um, literally means follower. That means that, um, so the way education happened, happened in the ancient world was that um, 
and so in ancient times, the way they would do education, it was like I said, it was their following. Literally meant so that if the teacher, wherever the teacher walked, wherever he went, if he went left, you went left. If you went right, you went right. And so the idea was that whenever he would say something, teach something, those words, you would hear it. It's so basically you followed him in order that you would understand every word that poured forth from his mouth. So Peter, when he rebukes Jesus, um, he is actually playing the role of... Um, of teacher and he's turning Jesus into his disciple which is why Jesus has to say get behind me Satan that is Jesus saying no Peter you're the disciple I am the teacher get behind me all right verse 34 and then so then Jesus tells him if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So here, so Jesus now is telling them, really with these words, because they know what it means to take up a cross. They see, they know what crucifixion is. They <coughs> at this point there were plenty of them, and to take up a cross meant was what that meant was to pick up that piece of wood carried on your back down the streets of Jerusalem after having been beaten and tortured and to carry it while wearing nothing to being bare naked and eventually having nails driven deep into your feet in your hands and suffering an excruciating death upon it so in other words what Jesus is telling them is that you are going to to be my follower, to be my disciple, since you are my disciples, that means you will, and this and this even further, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. So Jesus is telling them, not only am I going to die, but so shall you. That you, too, will suffer. You too will be rejected just as i was rejected at my home of nazareth so will you be rejected by your home you'll be rejected by family friends neighbors you will be rejected you will be arrested you will be crucified which is why he says he gives them in there is the comfort that whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it then verse 9 you have this final words and he says truly i say to you there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of god after it has come with power there's debate as to what is this mean does this mean is there could be something said that um in, a, in the very next chapter so what we're going to read to, for tomorrow's reading is um the transfiguration and so it could be that jesus is speaking of what is about to be seen that they are going to see that some of them are going to see the kingdom of heaven come um the kingdom of god when jesus is transfigured before them uh it could be speaking to the crucifixion 
Because sometimes that that is spoken of. It could be speaking to the resurrection. It could be speaking to Pentecost. Either way, he is, and he's talking to a crowd. He's not just talking to the disciples. Um, so he's saying, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them. So he's not just talking to his disciples. So he is recognizing that some of the people there are going to see the kingdom of God come before they die which includes at least 11 of those disciples. Um, Judas would have been dead, but otherwise they would have all witnessed it. So that is probably what he is speaking to. So anyway, so with that, we're going to move on to the secondary reading of the day, which is Proverbs 8, verses 22 to 36. A correction on that, it will be Proverbs 15, Verses 1 through 29. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pour out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in, its, in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction. But whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he loves him who pursues righteousness. There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. Whoever hates reproof will die. Shale and Abaddon lie upon before lay open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of man. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. A glad heart makes a cheerful face, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is crushed. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. All the days of the, the afflicted are evil, but the cheerful of heart has a continual feast. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner with herbs where her love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. The way of a sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Without counsel plans fail, but with many advisers they succeed. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word and answer how good it is. The path of life leads upward for the prudent, that he may turn away from shale beneath. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but maintains the widow's boundaries. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. But he who hates bribes will live. The hearts of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. 
The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, yesterday, uh, the church commemorated Elisha, and I forgot to make mention of it, so I'll make mention of it today. Uh, so here's just a quick little biography. It says, Elisha, son of Shaphat, of the tribe of, the, of Issachar, was the prophet to God to the northern kingdom of Israel about 849 to 786 B.C. Upon seeing his mentor Elijah taken up into heaven, Elisha assumed the prophetic office and took up the mantle of his predecessor. Like Elijah, Elisha played an active role in political affairs. He also performed many miracles, such as curing the Syrian army, commander Naaman of his leprosy, in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 20, 2 Kings 5, 1 to 27. And restoring life to the son of the of a Shunammite's Shunammite woman, which is recorded in Second Kings four eight to thirty seven, a vocal opponent of Baal worship, Elisha lived up to his name, which means "My God is salvation." We pray, O mighty and eternal God, your Son Jesus triumphed over the prince of demons and freed us from bondage to sin. Help us to stand firm against every assault of Satan and enable us always to do your will through Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I, might, I could commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The hymn of the week is hymn 668, Rise to Arms with Prayers Employ You. Rise to arms with prayer employ you. All Christians, lest the foe destroy you, for Satan has designed your fall. Wield God's word, the weapon glorious, against all foes be thus victorious. For God protects you from them all. Fear not the hordes of hell. Here is Emmanuel. Hail the Savior, the strong foes yield to Christ our shield. And we the victors hold the field.
Cast afar this world's vain pleasure and boldly strive for heavenly treasure. Be steadfast in the Savior's mind. Trust the Lord who stands beside you, for Jesus from all harm will hide you. By faith you conquer in the fight. Take courage, weary soul. Look forward to the goal. Joy awaits you. The race well run. Your long war won. Your crown shines splendid as the sun. Wisely fight, for time is fleeting. The hours of grace are fast retreating. Short, short is this our earthly way. When the Lord the dead will wake in, and sinners all by fear are shaken, the saints with joy will greet that day. Praise God, our triumph sure. We need not long endure. Scorn in trial, our Savior King, His own will bring to that great glory which we sing. This has been a recording of the uh, Congregation at Prayer Daily Devotional Podcast. Again, I am Pastor Neil Wemus. I am Associate Pastor at St. Paul Luther Church in Ida Grove, Iowa. I pray that this daily devotional has been a blessing to you. And so with that, I leave you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.